Hello, 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 and welcome into another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. As always, I am your host, Jake, and with me is the draft guru himself, Sean Dwyer. Say hello to the people, my friend. How you doing? So, here we are, the Sunday after the NFL draft, the Sunday after the first round of the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, and baseball's getting underway, but it's right in that busy season uh, with the playoffs going on and the draft. We have all four sports happening in the last week, which is really, really cool. Uh, But, you know, the big story of last week, of course, was the draft. We did our mock draft last week, which we hope you joined us for. Um, We did a decent job, at least at identifying what these teams needed. Um, Maybe not exactly who they went for or the order that they went in. Uh, There was definitely some uh, surprises in the draft, as always. Some people who got picked wherever, uh, which we're going to get into. And, uh, you know, we we got a lot to talk about. We're going to break down our reaction from the first few rounds of the draft with the big names. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the, the picks we think were really good. We'll let you know, you know, some of the picks that we made correctly. We'll also tell you some of the best sleeper picks along with, you know, kind of our head scratchers. And uh, at the very end of it all, we're going to let you know who we think uh, won this year's draft, who had the best draft for their team. And uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. And then to end our show today, we are going to talk about the second round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, we, we went at length about our predictions in the f- last a couple episodes ago, and uh, we're going to keep on moving. We know, once again, we'll mention the NBA playoffs. I think that show was like three weeks ago, and it just got done with the first round. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, second round games did start underway today uh, on this Sunday, and there was a few uh, really good games with the Warriors and the Rockets, and the Celtics and the Bucks. So we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But, you know, Sean, to start off with, we'll get into the draft. Uh, we did a pretty good job with the number one overall pick, as did everybody else. But from there, it starts to get squishy. Uh, you know, just to start off with, Sean, uh, we're going to talk about a few players uh, that really fit where they went. Uh, we t- you know, I, like I said, we knew kind of what – uh, positions these teams needed. We just didn't quite know, obviously, who they were going to take. Uh, but we'll, we're going to start at the top of the board, work our way down, and we got a few picks here that uh, we, we think really do fit. So first off, Sean, uh, you know, we, we benchmarked this one. The number five, uh, Devin White to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Getting that linebacker fill, going to put him next to, what is it, uh, Levante David. Uh, what do you think of this pick, Sean? Well, you know, Tampa Bay had Quan Alexander leave. Um, he's with San Francisco now. And so they really had a hole at one of those linebacker spots. And why not fill it with the top linebacker in the draft, in my opinion, and a guy in Devin White, uh, linebacker, who is a speed guy. He's a speed linebacker, but he's also tough, and he makes big tackles. So Devin White to Tampa Bay replaces Quan Alexander and helps that defense. Yeah, we, we definitely thought he was going to go high up in the draft. We actually had him slotted at number four uh, to the Oakland Raiders, but they kind of surprised everybody um, with their Klein and Farrell pick. But we'll get into that in just a little while. But, yeah, we thought Devin White was the best linebacker in this draft, and he went, uh, he went first off the board. I definitely think it was a good fit. And having, a, you know, a quick guy, um, he's, got, he's really fast. Like, that, that's the thing about this guy. 
Uh, I think he'll do good in Tampa Bay. And they have, they've always had a pretty decent uh, linebacking core, and I think they want to keep that going with Devin White. Next pick that we thought fit pretty well and was pr- one of the bigger steals, if you ask me, because we had him going pretty high. But Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle from Houston, going to Buffalo. Uh, you know, Kyle Williams left a big hole as uh, a three technique uh, with his retirement. Oliver's going to step right into there. Uh, what do you think about the fit with him and uh, Lutalele? Star Lutalele, yes. And Oliver is going to fit well right there. You know, Kyle Williams had a big te- big role in that defense. There's a physical guy next to Star Tulele. And I think that Ed Oliver kind of just steps right into that role. I think he also gives a little bit more versatility than Kyle Williams. He can play inside, maybe a little bit of outside stand-up rush from time to time to give Buffalo a little bit of versatility on defense, but I think he is a great pick for Buffalo. All right, yeah. So, next on our list, going down to number 10, Devin Bush to the from the University of Michigan out to Pittsburgh. What do you think about this? That's your favorite team, uh, but what are your least favorite players, I think, uh, heading on out there? Yeah, you know – Looking at it from a purely football standpoint, it's a great pick. Looking at it from the irrational fan logic, it was probably one of my least favorite players from my least favorite team going to my favorite NFL team. But Pittsburgh's had that hole at linebacker with Ryan Shazier getting hurt. They needed the guy in the middle of the field last year to kind of make the run, the run stopping plays, the pass stopping plays, all those runs or those plays to be made at linebacker kind of weren't made for Pittsburgh like they normally were. So he really fills one of the biggest needs on that football team. I definitely uh, did not expect him to go um, to Pittsburgh with the trades. You know, we did our mock draft without the trades, but we did think he was going to go close to the top 10, uh, him being rated the second best linebacker uh, in the draft. Uh, you know, ESPN brought up his grit and determination. I guess we'll see if you can, if you yeah. can bring that to yeah. Pittsburgh. His grit, yeah. <laughs> Next, number 15, uh, Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State going to Washington. I mean, this is, to me, this is, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but I think this was probably the steal of the draft. Um, really helped out, obviously, by other decision-making skills. But, you know, with the, the chance of Alex Smith never coming back and having Colt McCoy and – uh, Case Keenum out there, it gives him a little bit of time uh, to get under wraps, you know, kind of get into the system. And uh, they added some more pieces, but I think that he does, he he was, you know, the guy, um, if you wanted a pro-style quarterback in this draft. And, I mean, he didn't take a lot of snaps from under center, but Washington, I think they're going to, you know, work well through this transition with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, let's make no bones about it. Dwayne Haskins was supposed to be the first quarterback taken in this draft by the Giants. I think that's where he should have gone still to this day, and you'll never convince me otherwise. But Washington is, yeah, like you mentioned, Alex Smith may never come back. Between Colt McCoy and Case Keenum, we don't really have an established NFL starter. So Dwayne Haskins gets into that room. He, Like you mentioned, he won't have to start day one. Between Colt McCoy and Case Keenum, they can ease Dwayne Haskins into the system and make sure he's comfortable before throwing him out there. All right, next. Another pick that we got right, number 16, Brian Burns, the edge rusher from FSU going to Carolina. Julio Peppers uh, retired 
they really need to fill that. What do you think about this fit? Yeah, Julius Peppers, like you mentioned, retires, leaves a hole that is giant in the middle of that Carolina defense. You know, Peppers was a Carolina guy for a long time. Yeah, it was 12 12 or 13 years, right? Yeah, then went to Green Bay and then back to Carolina. So he is kind of solidified that his role of Carolina always having an edge guy. I think Brian's Burns helps the next wave of that. I think he's going to be a great edge rusher for Carolina. And I think that he is going to be someone to keep an eye on in terms of sack numbers for next year. Cause I think he could lead rookies with sacks. Well, you think about, you know, the guys behind him with Luke Keekley and some of the guys in that defense, if he's able to make a little bit of disruption in the pass rush, it, it only bodes well for the Panthers. Ooh, making a Luke Keekley reference. I love it. <laughs> All righty. Last pick we have for you guys in the first round that we thought was a good fit was Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, going to Oakland. Another retirement issue here and another need that they filled, but not quite sure if everybody thought they were going to go running back in the first round. What do you think? I thought that they were going to go running back in the first round. Midway through the week when Beast Mode kind of announced or it was rumored that he wasn't coming back. I think at that point, John Gruden needed a, uh, a running back he can get the ball to in the turkey hole, if you know what I mean. So he needed that guy in the backfield. So Josh Jacobs coming off the board at 24. I thought they probably could have grabbed him at 27 instead of 24, but that's just technicalities at this point. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make a difference for them as long as they they feel the need that they needed. Now, we're going to move on to our next segment for the draft and talk about our best under-the-radar pick, somebody who kind of surprised you but you think might really be able to help out the team. Yeah, I'm going to go with number 23 overall, Titus Howard, the Alabama State tackle that Houston drafted. I think that this might have been a reactionary pick to the Eagles trading up in front of them and taking Andre Dillard. But I think at the same time, Titus Howard was a guy who had a second-round grade on him. He wasn't too far of a reach down there at 23. And he's a big dude, and he's only going to get better. You know, his development at Alabama State was fast enough to where he's a probably a Division two guy getting drafted in the first round, or, or should be second round. That's still, there's a lot of room for improvement in his game. And I think that Houston needing to protect Deshaun Watson needed to go offensive line no matter who it was. So that leaves Titus Howard in that for that pick. And I think he's going to be great for Houston. I really do. All right. My, my pick for this, the best under the radar. I don't know if we technically would call it under the radar, uh, but it just wasn't quite what I expected from the New England Patriots. At number 32, them scooping up Nikhil Harry. Uh, we talked pretty highly of him. In the, in the pre-draft show, our mock draft, actually had him going just a couple spots lower to Indianapolis uh, down at 34. That was your little extra pick. But I think that they did a good job with getting a big wide receiver, uh, somebody who will go up and get those balls. I mean, Josh Gordon suspended, Rob Gronkowski leaves, um, Corderell Patterson's gone, and Chris Hogan is gone. I mean, really, there's just Julian Edelman still there uh, on that offense. And they needed to probably get uh, – I would say a downfield target back for Tom Brady. They miss a Brandon Cooks. They miss somebody down there. Uh, he, he's not the fastest guy, but he's a big receiver. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I think we had DK Metcalf going in the first round, and that was crazy. He dropped all the way to the very last pick in the second round. Uh, but I think that they made a good pick with Nikhil Harry. We thought they were going to go defense in the defensive backfield, but – Really, they did a good job of drafting as always, and I think they were really, really, really happy when they found Harry 
uh, still sitting there at 32. Now, this is a fun one, and I, I really do, I really do want to hear your, your take on this, but we talked a little bit about the head scratchers, and uh, you kind of already mentioned yours. What, uh, what pick do you think was just out of this world stupid? Yeah, I think we each have one, um, and then we're going to do one joint one together at the end. I think you already know what that one's going to be. But to start with, we're going to go with Daniel Jones going sixth from Duke to the Giants with Haskins still on the board. And I even texted you. I had, I think, two other quarterbacks ahead of him too. I think that he made – I mean, the Giants made a terrible decision in taking Daniel Jones. I think that they didn't really – they said that there was two teams in front of them that would have taken him if they didn't. But at the same time, I think Dwayne Haskins was clearly a better guy than Daniel Jones overall. And when you get into Gettleman's post-draft news conference saying that Dan Haskins played in the Big 12 and other things like that, having the only time he watched Daniel Jones in person was the Senior Bowl. There's just a lot of things that didn't really – like you got their head scratching to me that they went ahead yeah. and pulled the trigger on Jones anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, we had Jones all the way at the end of the first round thinking he might not even go. Uh, we, me and you Beth definitely agree that Haskins was probably the biggest uh, and best option for most people. Uh, if they were going to go quarterback and sitting at number six, uh, I feel like they could have done so much better. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is like, if you were going to get Jones, you could have taken that defensive tackle that we were talking about that we thought they needed and go ahead and wait until the end of the round to pick Daniel Jones. I mean, they ended up with three first-round picks. They ended up with number six, uh, with number 30, and with number 17. I mean, they ended up getting Dexter Lawrence, you know, their, their defensive tackle with that 17th. But, I mean, if you think they could have had Ed Oliver or, you know, possibly even, you know, a Quinn and Williams if they were willing to go up a little bit and drop that. It just doesn't make sense to me why you would take what many believe to be, you know, the subpar quarterback in this draft or top-tier subpar quarterback in this draft and, uh, I guess, kind of put all your faith in a a dark horse, you know. Now – what the the pick that I think I had, uh, I had a big issue with was number four. You know, Klein and Farrell going to Oakland. Uh, that was a head scratcher to me. I mean, just just those two picks right there in the top six. It was you're already like, what is going on? I mean, everybody had Klein and Farrell uh, graded much much lower than this, down in like the twenties. Uh, where Oakland had a pick, once again, I feel like they could have done a better flip flop with the way they did things. Uh, you know, they, I guess their, their positions of need weren't very high, but I, I, they must have just seen something in Farrell uh, that they didn't see elsewhere. I mean, I, it, just putting him basically on the same rung as Nick Bosa just didn't make sense to me, putting them both in the top five. I mean, Nick Bosa was a superior edge rusher. I mean, we talk about a few other people uh, in the draft who win. I just thought that it was, it was head-scratching to put him at number four. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but I did see this on Twitter, that the reason the Raiders went Cleveland Farrell at four instead of Josh Allen was that Josh Allen shares the same agent that Khalil Mack had 
and Amari Cooper had. And so the Raiders said, we're not dealing with that man anymore and reached super far down the board to get their next righted edge rusher. Well, that's that kind of uh, – it's, it's dumb. It's stupid. Yeah, especially when you're an NFL organization. I mean, I understand that there might be somebody who's not very good. I mean, the guy must be a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've seen they don't like to negotiate with the Oakland Raiders, and obviously there's there's something that goes on there. But, I mean, that, that's a disappointment that that's how it has to go. But if that's the case, <laughs> like, why yeah. don't you trade down? If the, exactly. You know? There's so many other things you could do. And even if he does share the same agent – you're still five years down the road, four years with a fifth-year option down the road from even having those contract negotiations. Things are going to cool off by then. I think that going Cleveland Farrell at four just really no, – I didn't get it. I didn't get it. All right. Now, one, one more pick that could have been labeled a head-scratcher, but I, I'm not quite sure that it is. I want to ask your opinion. Obviously, everybody was scared that the Lions were going to take another tight end – in the first round, they did it with TJ Hawkinson and with a number eight pick. A lot of Lions fans immediately were scratching their head. I think the bigger head scratcher was the Hawaii uh, linebacker, you know, later on in the second round because once they had no idea who that guy was, a honorable mention All-Mountain West Conference linebacker, I just thought it was a stretch. But uh, for TJ Hawkinson, I mean, what, do you think this was a, a head-scratching pick? Do you, did you? I know we kind of expected it. Uh, but what what did you think? At the time when the selection was made, I, I was not happy about it. But the more that I sat down and watched TJ, I, there was never any doubts about Hawkinson as a player. There was always just the doubts about picking that tight end at that spot and how it should have the pick should have been used. But the more that I sat down and watched this film and looked at some of the things that happened with the Lions offense last season, I wasn't as angry about it I still think that they probably could have in all cases traded down and gotten another guy that really fits their what they want from a tight end they, yeah there were a lot, of, a lot of other guys on the board that could have had impact at other positions more so than a tight end but looking at Hawkinson I think that he's going to make the right play for the Lions I think he's another safe first round pick going back to Decker going back to the middle linebacker Davis, going back last year to Ragnow, they were safe first-round picks. The second-round guy, the linebacker from Hawaii, I mean, the only YouTube clip I've seen of him is him holding some guy's jersey by the back and getting dragged 10 yards downfield. That's literally the only clip I've seen of him, no lie. It's on a college football spoofs highlight reel from this past season. Um, Yeah, it's going to take a lot to convince me on that one. Yeah, I, I actually ended up writing a column for my newspaper headed into the draft on Thursday, and this is exactly what I thought the Lions were going to end up doing. After our mock draft, where we had them taking Montez Sweat and all of the stuff uh, you know, coming out about his heart and how his you know, stock was falling, there was no way they were going to take him in the top 10. And no. you know, they, I, We talked about them potentially trading down, and you know, come draft day, they were talking, there was literally no good options for them to get rid of this number eight pick. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't think it's bad. I definitely like it much more than Eric Ebron. I told you guys this uh, in the mock draft show. I, I think him coming out of Iowa with that type of offense, with the running, with the, with the, with the run blocking and the pass catching that he's done, uh, already had a better resume than Eric Ebron. 
He obviously has better ball skills than Eric Ebron did coming out of college. So I don't think it's as much of a head scratcher as people put it in to be. I think it was the safest pick, like you said. Um, but it also made sense for what they were going to do. It, all, it didn't make sense that they made, they took another tight end uh, later in the draft. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about either. Not, now there's six of them that will be on the roster. I, I know they'll end up cutting a couple of those guys. Oh, they also did. signed – they also signed an undrafted free agent at tight end too, so now they got seven. So there's there, there's a lot of uh, competition there, but I think Hawkinson will definitely come out as one of the best uh, one of the best offensive playmakers to come out of the top ten this year. I mean, it was really really defensive heavy, and all you see is you know Daniel Jones and Nick Bosa, or I mean sorry Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. Uh, on offense, and I don't think Daniel Jones is going to come in and make that big of a difference. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to have, you know, quite the chops in the first, you know, few, few months of the season. Now, wanted to bring these up. We already kind of mentioned one of them, but we did get a couple, or I guess I should say a few picks right in our mock draft. Sean got two, I got one, and mine's kind of a cop-out. So, um, well, I, mine is minus two. The first one, one is, two, yeah, yeah. But I got uh, I got Kyler Murray right to the Cardinals and with the first pick. Sean got Nick Bosa to the San Francisco 49ers with the second pick, and then Sean picked Brian Burns to Carolina at number 16. One of those guys that we mentioned earlier. Uh, nothing else really worked out, but like I was saying, you know, after looking back at our draft or our, our mock draft, uh, people took the exact positions that we were looking at it just wasn't always that person no uh, it wasn't yeah and I, I mean with the exception of a few like i said with uh you know detroit with montez sweat dropping out and then uh you know dk metcalf dropping all the way to the bottom of the second round which i don't think either one of us you know really thought was going to happen or even come close to happening no. uh, that was one of my bigger surprises was how far he fell I think what happened is, you know, everybody who needed a wide receiver did scoop them up uh, rather quickly, and DK sat there, so they didn't, you know, the Seahawks didn't have to push for him, and they said, hey, he'll be there at the end of the second round, so we'll be all right. Yep. And I think that was a good steal for them, you know, end of the second round. Yeah. I think that was a good one. Yeah, do you you have anybody else that you could think of that, you know, the what was a really good surprise in the second or third round? Uh, I'm gonna go further down the second round. I think Calvin Harmon, the receiver from NC State, I think he got picked in the fifth round by Washington. I think that's gonna be a great end up being a great pick for them. I'll let you elaborate more on that because I know you're gonna go into Washington here in a second. But I think that was my guy that was was not a day one guy. That kind of I really look at and I'm like, hmm, that might be great value for where they got him oh i did want to mention somebody i guess is you know your, your hometown indianapolis colts yes. uh picking up justin lane or carrie uh, willis or, or sorry carrie willis moving up whatever 20 spots for carrie willis yeah um, big, big dog you yeah, have to get they, that jersey yeah and and your pittsburgh steelers picking up justin lane so you got two uh two spartan dogs to watch in the next couple yes. of years yeah i do but, there was also a few you know undrafted free agent signings for the spartans which was nice felton davis going to Kansas City off that Achilles injury. So that's why he went undrafted. He probably, I thought he would have been a second-round talent had he never got injured. But I think that's a steal for Kansas City. Uh, Matt Sokol signed, I'm not quite sure where. 
Uh, the Chargers. Uh, yeah, with the Chargers. And then uh, LJ Scott signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, was, was there any more? I think that's it, as of right now. But either way, uh, had, had a couple other guys get taken out and uh, put it, Spartans put into the NFL universe. So wish them best of luck, and we'll see how they turn out. But just to end our draft coverage, Sean, what team for you do you give an A-plus, and who won the draft? Uh, top dogs in 2019. This isn't really who I thought had the best draft. I think I let you end up taking who I thought had the best draft. So I went with kind of an under-the-radar team that might have had the best draft, and that's Pittsburgh. Uh, through their draft, they picked up what they needed on defense. Devin Bush, Justin Lane, they made an edge pick in Sutton Smith. They made some good picks to build up the depth on the defense. And on, on the offensive side, picking up who you know is my favorite running back, in college this past season, Benny Snell Jr. making the pick for the wide receiver from Toledo, Deontay Johnson. And the Michigan um, tight end. Michigan tight end, Zach Gentry. He's going to be a big, big goal line target, that six seven guy. Yeah, without and Jesse take, James. <laughs> without Jesse James, who's now in Detroit. And they got the guard, I think his name was Gary, from Maryland in the, late, the last pick. A big draft for Pittsburgh, filling in the organizational depth, getting the starter at linebacker, potential starters at wide receiver and corner, um, some kind of guys to run in off the bench on the defensive side on the edge and Sutton Smith. Great draft for Pittsburgh. All right. Well, yeah, and I, I guess I'll just give you mine. Uh, I thought that the team who had the best draft, who won the draft and in all different kinds of ways, shapes, and forms was the Washington Redskins. Uh, just to start off, you know, they didn't even have to – to move up or do anything crazy. They just sat there at number 15 and patiently waited and Dwayne Haskins fell into their lap. Uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins already says he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get picked by the Giants, basically. Uh, but I think that's a big, big plus to the Washington Redskins. He has the potential. I, I think of, I'm, I'm not saying to have the same type of off the field issues, but some type of Jameis Winston type of quarterback. Uh, and, you know, I think that Washington would be happy to have a guy, especially for the next four or five years on a rookie deal, that they're able to develop and try to keep in Washington. Added to that, um, they moved up into the, the end of the first round and snuck out Montez Sweat, who we talked about for the Lions, uh, played for Michigan State at one point, went to Mississippi State, and was one of the highest-rated, uh, you know, edge rushers in this draft. But, like we said, he had some concerns with his heart his stock dropped and they did the, I think they did the right thing by moving up just inside of the first round to steal sweat before he got, you know, somebody took a chance on him, you know, mid second. Uh, so th they got two good first round talents as if for the first round, I would grade their first round, probably the best, as long as Montez sweats, uh, you know, physical ailments don't hinder his career. Uh, but it doesn't even stop there. I mean, the next round they go out and get, one of Haskins' favorite targets at OSU over the last couple of years in uh, Terry McLaurin. So there's familiarity there. They'll be there for a few years together, and Terry McLaurin will probably step right into a wide receiver role, uh, will actually probably start for them because they don't have very much help on that front right now. And then you kind of talked about your favorite running back in, you know, at the NCAA last year and Benny Snell going to Pittsburgh. One of my favorite running backs – uh, Bryce Love, who I actually believe I chose to get close to the Heisman last year, or if not win the Heisman last year. Um, I've loved him, and they got a steal for him. I believe it was in the fourth round. It might have even been the fifth. 
Uh, Fourth round. They, yeah, but they picked up Bryce Love uh, to put behind him. I could only imagine with, you know, those are three skill guys who could actually change the dynamic of the Washington Redskins offense uh, over the next four or five years. And also they added a couple of interior offensive linemen and a couple of guards later on in the draft. One guy from Alabama, one guy from Indiana, both who are very, very good running teams and they, they needed some more uh, run blocking. And I think once Haskins get in there, I mean, I think Washington just did fantastic uh, in this draft. I give them an A+. Plus. And something to remember is they're going to get Darius Geis back from that ACL injury for this season. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So putting him with Love back there, they've got a backfield. They still got some Chris existing Thompson. Piece, some existing pieces as well. I think they're going to have be primed for a good run this season. Yeah, they can surprise some people. I think they can turn around quick if Haskins especially, uh, you know, hops on the horse and starts, you know, driving the wagon as quick as possible. Yep. All right, well, that's it. That's our 2019 NFL draft coverage for you guys on Just Saying Sports. I hope you guys enjoyed our mock draft because uh, that was always fun and uh, definitely our little breakdown here. I know Sean always enjoys the draft now. What is it, 362 days until the next one? Yep. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be there till then, and uh, we, we got a few more things to talk about today. Uh, we talked about the NBA going into the second round, and it's been pretty heated in the first round. There was just a couple decent series. The other ones kind of seemed like it was a runaway. Portland taking off uh, over the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, just for a second before we get into this, can we talk about the ice coldness of Dame Lillard in that, in that series-ending shot over Paul George? Yeah, that took some cojones, if you asked me, to take At that more, shot. It, he was 37 feet away, and he took a step back. Yeah, that was a who. That's and, some, and, if you know what I mean, some big blank energy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, I mean, it's just uh, him versus Westbrook. I'm not saying that that, like, makes him a better point guard than Westbrook, but him dropping 50, doing it like that, I mean, that tells you that this guy came to play this postseason. Yeah. Um, yep. we, we can start up. Uh, actually there, we're just going to give you our picks for the second round. Uh, I'll just run them through real quick. we got the Warriors versus the Rockets, the Trailblazers versus the Nuggets in the West, and the Bucks and the Celtics and the 76ers and the Raptors in the East. Uh, what do you think? We'll start off with that Blazers-Nuggets series. The Nuggets just closed out the Spurs in seven games. Uh, eked in there. The Blazers are on a bit of a rest. What do you think? I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers running off the high of that Lillard shot. I think they end up are going to outlast the Nuggets in about a six or seven game series. I'll take Portland. You know, I actually think I'm going to go the other way with this. No matter how good Dame Lillard is playing, I think that Denver has had this weird team atmosphere all year. I mean, Jokic has been doing it. Gary Harris is starting to really, really show up for them. Gary. Yeah, he's starting to really, really show up for them. And uh, they showed some grit getting past San Antonio in the last week, beating Coach Greg Popovich, DeMar DeRozan. And, I mean, they – they did it with an exclamation point. They didn't, you know, they, they weren't going to let San Antonio walk away with a series, and they ended up coming back and uh, taking it out. I think that they can take game seven. They may not have as much quote-unquote rest, but I think that might play good to them. Uh, the high from Dame Lillard shot and all the questions about Oklahoma City I think might be a little distracting for Portland. Now, for the other side, the Warriors and the Rockets, the series everybody likes to see. That game one happened today, 
And the Warriors, of course, took a 1-0 to lead. I believe they won 104-100. to But nevertheless, yes. another close game. Uh, Kevin Durant went for 35. James Harden went for 35. Do you see this going seven? No, I see it going five games in favor of the Warriors. You think they keep their home, home court advantage after winning game one? I think that so much has been made over the fact of this is Houston's year. That the Warriors are gonna just going to roll into this game, this series, like, oh, yeah, this is their time, sure, and going to just be all business and take care of them. I, uh, I definitely think that it's going to go six. I don't think the Rockets are going to go with it away without a pretty good fight. I mean, only four points in game one. They held some pretty stellar defensive numbers, and James Harden struggled for a lot of the games. So I think if James Harden gets on, uh, isn't missing 20 shots in a game, uh, the Rockets have a chance to take two, but I still got the Warriors. Now we'll shoot out to the East. Another game that happened today, the Bucks versus the Celtics. The Celtics won by almost 15 points, and I think that surprised a lot of people, especially with how hot the Bucks were against the Pistons and just rolling them out of the playoffs like it was nobody's, uh, nobody's business. Who do you got in this series, the Celtics or the Bucks? I've got the Celtics in six games. I think that their 114 to, I think, 90 win today was more than enough that I needed to see that I'm going to take the Celtics probably in six or seven games, but Celtics. I'm going to take the Bucks uh, over a seven-game series. I think their offense will heat up. And uh, Giannis is going to do some crazy things. Kyrie, Gordon, they, they've started to mesh at the right time. But uh, I just don't see it being their year. So I'm going with the Bucks. Now, the last series we got, the 76ers and the Raptors. Uh, I think this is pretty clear cut if you ask me. I think the Raptors are going to run away with this series. I, yep, think this is where, I think this is where the 76ers immaturity really comes back to bite them. And yep. Kawhi Leonard has been out outrageous in the playoffs i mean Kawhi leonard has (laughs) been has been a man among boys on defense and on offense uh just watching him in that last game it was like you know he i i don't think that um you know i know joe they already joel Embiid can't even guard him so i guess we'll 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 see i don't i don't see it going more than five games me neither. I think that the Raptors win in five games, like you mentioned, maybe four, maybe six, but I think that they're going to win the series handedly. The 76ers might take a game or two, but they're going to be like one-point games that they eke out, and Toronto was gave them those games, basically, is how I think it's going to play out. All right. Well, there are our picks. It looks like uh, another exciting NBA playoff run. This is where it really starts to get interesting. Uh, these series are probably going to drag out more than we assume, but yep. uh, it's still going to be fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for our show today. Hope you enjoyed as always, and thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Just Say In Sport. I am at Jake Adnip, and that guy over there is at Dwyer SE3. Uh, follow us for updates, and we'll make sure to keep uh, keep on going subscribe like share whatever you do to help us out is much much appreciated but uh without any further ado my name is jake atnip i'm sean dwyer thank you for listening to just saying sports and we will see you again next week 